On today's episode of the Lady Boss Podcast, we're talking about the guy behind the guy. Mark Ripken of Mark Ripken and Associates is my coach. And check out this episode to see how Mark turns the tables and he actually interviews me. I'm on the hot seat. All right, Mark, before we get going, mm-hmm. I want you to tell the audience who you are mm-hmm. and what you bring to to our company and just coaching in general. Okay. All right. So my name is Mark Repkin and my uh, company is Mark Repkin and Associates. And we essentially coach entrepreneurs and sales leaders and a handful of sales producers, the people actually driving the revenue. And um, what I think we do for your business is we soundboard, we ideate. So we, we take your biggest issues and we ideate on them. We, uh, we look for areas of inspiration to get you uh, um, out of the fog and into the clear. And um, we basically try to elevate. And we take every idea that you have in your head or maybe even not yet out on the table and we put it out there and we go through things. And it might be deal strategy on going after a whale it may be dealing with a, a salesperson or an employee that you're dealing with. So it's really, it's kind of all encompassing. It really is about working on the business and working on you. My favorite metaphor you have for um, our relationship is when you call me Michael Jordan, because um, mm-hmm. who wouldn't want me to call Michael Jordan? But when you say you're Phil Jackson, I'm like, you know, Phil Jackson was that guy behind the scene who understand the crazy that goes on in performers and yeah. producers' brains. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, there are days when I'm just off the rails and I just so appreciate that you're able to, like, pivot me back, yeah. course correct, and, and say, you know, get to it. Yeah, I think that's important for any coach. It's like in the 90s when uh, the Bulls were the thing and we had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and everyone was talking about them. I was watching Phil Jackson. I was saying, like, how do you work and make the best person in the best player in the world better? How do you deal with the kind of the Dennis Rodman crazy? How do you deal with the, yeah. the, the insecurities of a Scottie Pippen? And um, they all come through in coaching. And so it's really not about the coach. It's always about the player. It's always about that athlete, the sales athlete, the leader athlete, and taking those and trying to make people bring out their best. So, you know, people always ask me how I pick the the bench, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do I get to the people I get to? And I think you should share with our listeners uh, a little bit about your background. Okay. Uh, I've been selling since college, probably before then. Uh, I sold dictionaries door to door. And um, I did that over the summers. And what I found out was about grit and perseverance. And, um, and then I, when I graduated college, I went into inside sales. And again, that's persistence. It's about um, you know, trying to sound in a particular way on the phone and, and come across using your tonality to, to get people that can't see you. And then I went into outside sales and I started to achieve the, really the highest levels or what I thought was the highest level. And then it was at that point that I started to get coaching myself and I started to understand things. And of course, when you become good in sales, what happens? They give you the fork in the road and they say, um, well, do you want to go stay selling or do you want to go into sales leadership? And I went the right direction. I went into sales leadership and I started focusing less on me and more on people. And I studied everything that there is on leadership. And for 21 years, when I left uh, the corporate world, I was a VP of sales. 
I went off and then into the sales training business. And what was interesting, Courtney, is when I was in the training business, I was coaching my people, my, the, my clients in between the sessions. And that's where they got the lift. And it was through sales training that I realized I'm much better at helping take out of somebody what they already have in them than pushing new knowledge in. Yeah, of course, in, in coaching, we have to sometimes teach something, but that's disproportionately small. Most of what I do is focusing on listening to you, using the selling skills that I have. To be a good salesperson, I believe that you have to be a consultant. And I'm gonna tell you the, the, the richest history that I got was early in my selling career. Um, my, one of my mentors, his name is Mike Lefty Lefton, an amazing uh, insurance and financial person. And he told me that you have to remember the word salon, S-E-L-L-A-N. And it's old English, it means to serve, to give, to be a steward. And he's like, if you serve people, they will always, always wanna work with you. And then my business partner then, who also was my sales trainer at one point, he told me, you can say anything to anyone as long as it's in their interest. And so I took those two things about serving and being, a, a, you know, the salon and saying things. So there are times like when I'm coaching you where, yes, I'm inspiring you or I might be pulling something out. But there's sometimes where I got to kind of like just give you the proverbial slap on the cheek and say, no, because <laughs> that's that's wrong or call it out. And I could say anything to you and you always know it's in your interest. I think that it's really fun for people to see some of the tools and the ways that I've been on my journey. And as everyone knows, this podcast is about me giving back and me trying to help people shortcut their lessons so that uh, this journey of entrepreneurship, they don't make the same gajillion mistakes I've made. If, that, if that's possible to shortcut them, um, I would love that. And you're a big part of my, um, my bench, my business bench, as I call it. And I just thought we could walk people through sort of uh, some of the past year and the things that we've been working on. Why do you hire me as your business coach or sales coach? So I'm a big believer in not going on this journey alone. Um, mm -hmm. Incredibly lonely um, kind of work you can do at times. And you were introduced to me. I actually went to a speaker and uh, you were the speaker and I heard you. And I've always been part of a networking group which um, had a big time commitment, like a mm -hmm. uh, whole day a month. And during COVID, I couldn't invest a day a month uh, because our business was such that there were fewer of us and I was working seven days a week. But right away, I knew I also couldn't be untethered. Mm -hmm. And I hired you because I wanted to feel tethered. And in my words, that's really accountable. And accountable to somebody that I had a frequent cadence with that I could talk about the things that I was working on, the things that were working, and probably most importantly, what wasn't working. Okay, but but I don't know anything about your business, and yet we're still working together. What? Why do you think that that works? Yeah, that's a good point. So I really think that business is about three things. I don't care if you are a chef, you're in business to business sales, B2C sales, Business is about three things. It's about people, mm -hmm. and these are businesses that have people, probably not solopreneurs. It's about people, it's about strategy, and it's about transactions if you do it incorrectly, I think, or relationships if you're really striving to be that next level business. Okay, interesting, next level, because I, I wanna come back to that in a, in a second, but um, 
you know, isn't is one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit is this concept of of pivoting. And what do you think that entrepreneurs like what does pivot mean in the business world? And, and maybe even tell me a little bit about how you've pivoted. All right. So talking about pivot, that word feels super overused in the last two years. Um, and we have a new word for it, Mark. Don't worry. We're going to tell everybody. Mm -hmm. But pivot was really the thing that saved our business during COVID. And it was literally this idea that um, people would think of our business this way, but that wasn't the need that needed to be solved during 2020 mm. and beyond. And so pivot really meant to me, how do we take uh, what's a new landscape, new rules, when we can work, how we can ship, how we can deliver, what we talk through and still grow. Because I think that every thriving business has to grow mm -hmm. every year. Right. And for us, it was taking a very complicated um, an acrylic fabrication business, which services the very, very high end museums and institutions and saying, how can that raw material be used? And so Brad, the acrylic shields, that was an absolute rocket ride for Gemini Builds It and um, was something that did a couple things. One, it obviously carried us through that year. We were fortunate enough to be able to retain our employees. We were fortunate enough to be able to grow, but more so it changed our attitude. I think that we now know that under any circumstances, whether it's, you know, kind of our war buddies, like, which is what COVID feels like a lot, we're growing. Mm. And there is absolutely no obstacle that we can't get through. So, so give me an example of, um, or one of the thoughts that I had was about this white glove install. It was kind of a pivot. Yeah, so if you remember, we were whiteboarding one day and what had happened is, um, Lots of people chose to retire during the pandemic and um, resources look different. Our business looked different and so did all the businesses. Mm -hmm. And typically, you know, people remember the last part of a purchase. Mm -hmm. You know, they could have great experience at a store or online and then your, you know, FedEx driver drops it off and he kicks it and all of a sudden that great experience is watered down. Same thing was happening in the art business. They could have a great experience in a gallery, love the artist, pick this fabulous piece, mm -hmm. but that part from getting it home, getting it installed on the wall to the big aha wasn't going so well. And really, I, I, I can't pinpoint one or two things that changed during the pandemic, but that changed a lot. And for us, it was like, we can't solve this part of the puzzle without solving that part of the puzzle for our customers. Because if we don't solve that part of the puzzle, then we're passing off our good work onto somebody else who may not create the same wow experience that we were going for. And for us, that really bred white glove delivery and installation services nationwide. But how do you do that? You know, like I got to get the team to buy in. I got to make sure I'm not the head salesperson because mm -hmm. I, I, I've got enough going on, as you know. So it was really almost as if, um, you know, you and I would talk about things and whiteboard things, but not too soon, like a day or two days later after our sessions, because mm -hmm. I have to let it marinate. Right. Yes, you do. <laughs> have to make sure it's going to settle and yeah. stick. Right. I would go to them and like kind of lob these balloons. And it was really Dan on our team that got fired up about this idea mm -hmm. and created this business model and thought through the hiccups and the what ifs and the things that could go wrong and how we would staff for it. 
and today he's running that unit and doing a great job. And I think that's really the magic of coaching is that we kind of can more and more, you know, I've, you've taught me that I have to be doing the strategy. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, that's my job, <laughs> like it or not. Yeah. Some days I don't right. have it. Right. I got to be doing the strategy, but I don't have to execute the strategy. Right. And so I am really focused this year on what you've been talking to me for two years about, but um, <laughs> maybe I'm a slow learner, um, is this idea of delegating everything but genius. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not the Picasso of it at our company, I got to really try not to like put my hand in it. And I'm a right. control freak, so it's right. really hard. Right. But I think it's actually resonated now. Yeah. Entrepreneurs and leaders typically are control freaks because you got to that certain level doing these things and it's hard to let it go. So what do you think that like you would tell an entrepreneur about about how you make that transition to focusing in on brilliance? And maybe maybe as opposed to just giving advice to someone else, how did you make that connection to actually finally getting to that moment where you did let it go? Well, I feel like the best um hack for me or thing that's actually forced me to change the most mm -hmm. is I don't change very easily, but when I'm uncomfortable, meaning I have too much to do. The best times in my life that I've delegated and really let go of things is when I'm underwater, when mm -hmm. there's just water coming out of my nose and everything just feels like there's no possible way I could get through it. I'm really good at asking for help. Until then, I'm pretty bad at it. So mm. I, once I give it up, I'm, I'm, I don't look back. I sort of can supervise and not be in the middle of it. But until I can really, you know, think I like to do things I like to do too. Some of these jobs I've given away, I like. Right. You know, so I have to know that I've got to give away like my little baby in exchange for doing something that's harder work. You know, setting strategy and thinking about five years from now, which is my job is great work. I'm capable of doing it, but it doesn't just come every day. Right. It's hard. Right. I have to like have coaching, go for walks, go out, see customers, listen, read, listen to podcasts. I mean, I have to do it all yeah. to see what resonates for us. Yeah. It's, I, I think that's pretty common amongst uh, leaders. And, you know, you, you people ask you all the time, like, why do you need a sales coach? Because you, yeah. you could outsell me any day of the week. Um, it's kind of like, you know, trying to teach Michael Jordan how to shoot a ball. I'm not interested in making you teach you. I'm interested in bringing you to be the better Michael Jordan, to be the best Courtney that you can be. And and you seem to uh, really dig into that. And there's a cadence that you follow constantly. And there are times that we're getting into conversations where you just don't want to, it's just a bad day. You're working in the business. You're in the checklist man mentality. What what is the importance of a cadence in coaching and and yeah start there. You know, um, I, I I think routines are everybody's best friend. Guardrails, routines are so key. And we um, we meet monthly and we zoom, and sometimes we do other you know face to face or walk or whatever. But um, there are bad days, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I had one recently with you, and you know you try to ask the question from this angle and from this angle and from this angle, and you just couldn't. We, we just couldn't get couldn't it to get happen. Anywhere, yeah. And I was just entirely um, not able to focus on the business. And yeah. I think it was so helpful that we finally kind of called uncle on it and mm -hmm. said, look, you know, not every single day can I play like Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. I try to. Right. 
but I just couldn't bring it that day. And I don't even know what hormones were out of whack, but um, it was really helpful that we have the relationship and that you understood. Like there was no getting to the answer that day. Yeah. And ironically, I don't have people in my business life that I can just be that raw with. Right. You know, I'm supposed to show up and be like, everything's going to be fine, mm -hmm. even when, you know, tools are breaking, people aren't showing up for work, orders are coming in faster than we can do them, right. and the customers, you know, have changes and deadlines, and I'm like, guys, it's okay. You know, that's my job. Right. But some days I need somebody to tell me it's okay. Yeah, and I think that that came from a place of vulnerability, that you just trust knowing that I'm in your corner, that's all I'm thinking about is you, and... And being able to just share that and say, it's okay, we don't have to make progress today. Yeah. And, um, and how did, that was freeing for you. It was super freeing because, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like you always have my vested interest. You're, you know, you're there to, you know, you know try to improve my three-pointer. Mm -hmm. and, um, and and that's great because I, I'm just a big believer that if, we're not, if I'm not working on myself, working on getting this thing better every day, then it's going to die. Yeah. I, you know, it's just the way it goes. Uh so I appreciate that, you know, you know that some days, and I, and I think for me that, that was helpful to have that experience mm -hmm. because it also made me realize with the people that I'm coaching, my team, that not every day is a good day. And I want every day to be a good day. Right. Super high expectations and the, and the standard that sometimes it just you need to let a little bit out so you can take yep. more, take a step back. You, I was talking to you the other day about uh, one of the uh, comments that another client made about sometimes it's lonely at the top. Yeah. And you, that resonated with you. What was it that, like, when I said that, you're like, yes. You know, um, I'm a very open person. Like, you know, I, I think Larry is, like, naturally, like, more guarded. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very open. So I always struggle with why is it lonely because I pretty much will tell anybody anything, probably, you know, overshare category. But... <laughs> um, it's just that I think this, you know, kind of the corner office is where all the stuff hits, right? I mean, it's every single one of your employees' problems becomes your problem, you know, and they have lots and lots of stuff. We all do. It's life, you know. Mm -hmm. Things are happening outside of work. Those come to work. Mm -hmm. So you have all that, and that's kind of heavy because, you know, 55 people times their family. There's just always stuff, illnesses, money, debts, problems happening all the time coming to my office. You know, my manager is saying, what do we do with this? Secondly, um, you know, everyone's looking to me. You know, if, if there's an area of the business that's not performing, mm -hmm. you know, it's not entirely it's, their problem. Right. I would love it if it were, but they're right. looking at me like, what are we doing? What are we tweaking? What are we adjusting? And sometimes I just don't have the answers. Yeah. So I think this idea that, um, you know, when I, and the imposter syndrome can happen. I yeah. can wake up and just say like, how, who was I to think that I could run a manufacturing business? Yeah, right. And some days I still believe that, but having someone to help me quiet the noise. Ooh. That's 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 really a lot. And we talked about lifting the fog and being yeah. able to see because part of the cadence is working on the business and thinking ahead, thinking into what's next or different. Um, and we've introduced this concept of taking things to the next level. And we came up with a an actual word. What what was that word? And and tell me a little bit about that. I don't know. So you and your whiteboard and all your um, your very big vocabulary got us talking about elevate. Mm -hmm. And I love the word elevate because um, 
you know, in a past life, I might have been fancy. I just think it's, um, I don't know, it sounds like you're eating whipped cream with your breakfast. I like it. We started talking about, well, like, what would that mean at your business, at anybody's business? Mm-hmm. How if, you know, the next next? So if my job is to, you know, we're here to be looking out five years, 10 years, what does next next look like? I think I don't really necessarily know all that, but I do know that if we elevate the experience, and I really think there's, you know, um, three constituents that mm-hmm. need to have their experience elevated at our company, and one is always, you know, the customer, and that's who we're there to serve and why we exist and our why. That we, They've got to feel that whatever we're doing this year has just got to feel a little bit better, mm. um, but delivered better with more care, you know, uh, chocolate on the pillow every time. Next group is our associates. You know, they've got to feel, they've got a lot of choices, mm-hmm. um, super competitive uh, work environment. Everything's sort of, you know, for the employee these days. So how is it better to work at our companies? You know, is it um, we talk more with them, we have more one-to-ones, we have more pizza parties, more rewards, more celebration, title changes. I, I don't know, we're kind of flushing through all those things, but that next level of their career and them feeling like they're on a path that is five years rewarding down the road for them is uber important. And I love working on that because I think if the people on our team get what they want, they get the vision for their life, mm-hmm. then they're going to be there. That's it. That's It's so important. You know, and one of the things that you said in, in it could be getting lost for your listeners was next, next. It's it's such a fast phrase, but what does it mean, next, next? Because it's really important. Yeah, so I was talking to somebody about this kind of whale account that we're landing. And, um, you know, somebody said, well, like, why is that so important? Is it that it's just big? Mm-hmm. It's the right kind of business? There's a lot of reasons why it's important. I mean, some of those are important. Big account, um, very sticky, hard to service, takes out our competitors. But it brings us to our next next. And somebody said, what, what's the next next? And I said, when you call on the right kind of business, the people in the organization, that organization, they've got the ability to lead you to what's your next? What's your next pivot? Your next piece of business? You know, I'll give you an example. I um, had a customer kind of say, you know, head between toes, like, hey, would you mind um, solving this problem for us? It's not very sexy. Mm. I and I yeah. said, it doesn't matter that it's sexy. What's the problem? And I just kept digging and digging. And he was kind of almost like, you don't want to do this, do you? It's kind of menial work. And I said, my like life's dream is to take problems off people's plates that just are like, you know, things causing friction in their business. Mm. Because if we do that as a company, um, they're not, you know, having like the next guy call up and say, well, like, can we bid out the book distribution program? We've we just taken that off the radar. It's off their thing. They're on to the next thing. When they go on to the next thing, that could create an opportunity for us. Hmm. So next, next is about really, you know, what's your next? And then once you get there, if you're with the right customers, the right suppliers, the right associates, you're already looking for your next. Hmm. I love that. How, how do you think that your... Um, you you get to these aha moments usually in a coaching session. Fifty and, minutes in, yeah, we right. Never make it what to do you the call hour. it? You're like, I got the Rufkin aha, and I'm like, it's not the Rufkin aha. It's it's the Courtney Wright aha, right? Well, I'm a student. You know, I, yeah. I am a big time student of this game of business. If somebody gives me a suggestion, like when you're you know taking notes and saying, well, you should read this and check out this and look up this theory, 
I do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, you know, like I'm all in. Yeah. I'm not dabbling in this. I'm trying to get, you know, my call at the 1% better every day so that um, I can figure out what's my next. You know, I started a holding company because some guy who was a coach at my last company said, you'd be interested in running a holding company. Yeah. Didn't even know what it was. Googled it, looked it up, started learning. I just think that um, the aha comes from connecting the dots. I am constantly trying to really listen, like listen to what you're saying, take the feedback, take the lessons, do the work and figure out if it's good enough. You know, I'm not creating the end all be all. Like right. our sessions aren't supposed to be right. the plan in cement. We drop the mic and we do this till the end of the work day. Yeah. Yeah. And I see all the time where as a coach, I'm listening to you and then I'm drawing on my own experiences, either from my own personal or even books that I may have read. And then I might think we're going to go this direction, but something I said, you go, that's it. I got it. And one of the things that you do extraordinarily well is you execute. Like I, I, could, I think of an example about we were talking about something. This is actually like before COVID even occurred or just had come, hadn't come over here yet. We hadn't closed everything down. And, and we talked one night and the next morning you had a website up. Yeah. Yeah. You execute. Tell, tell me about execution. Okay, so people get so stuck in ideas and ideating and that everything, that the secret sauce is in the ideas. I had this literally conversation with my dad a million times who was the idea guy. And I would say, who cares about ideas? Like there's a bazillion ideas mm -hmm. and we got to have a good one, a good enough one. But it's execution that makes people rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, right. I mean, at the end of the day, we all sit around and talk. We have the same 24 hours. We have the same amount of time. But, you know, getting going is what my mentor out of college told me. He's like, it doesn't matter if, if you have a better idea than me, but I execute on a marginal idea. Mm -hmm. I still win the race. Yeah, right. For sure. And, and how does perfectionism come into that? Well, I mean, I, I am just the wrong person for perfectionism. I am a good is good enough person. Um, and I think if, if there was ever a time to think about your cadence and your pace, it's now. I heard this thing that if your business isn't changing faster than the rate of change outside your business, the end is near. Mm -hmm. And what that means is I've noticed that, you know, in the last, well, since we had the phones and since we then became so reliant on the phones, our, our days, our life, the amount of attention we spend on anything is like this. Right, right. So if we're busy trying to perfect our email and bold it and put the font correctly and highlight things just so that the reader, you know, might have a better experience and they're spending a nanosecond on it, was that time well spent? I just think that we all get so caught up in perfect at times and perfect is not the secret sauce. If yeah. you're going for growth, just learn the highlights and keep going.